Welcome to tonight's special event at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Would you please welcome our guest moderator, commissioning editor for the Sunday Times Magazine, Paul Crowton. Good evening. Thank you all very much for coming. Um, we're here to talk about starting a mobile-only business, and we've got three people who know exactly how to do that, so I shall not waste any more time up here. We'll get them on. Please welcome Heather from Hotel Tonight, Christoph from Uber, and first, Vic from Yplan. <laughs> Hello, team. Everyone okay? Yeah. Good. Um, what we're going to do to start off with, just to introduce everyone to the audience, uh, we're going to do the elevator pitch. So I'm sure you all know this. So I'm going to give everybody 30 seconds. Don't look worried. I'm not, you're not going to have to do it. It's these guys. <laughs> 30 seconds to tell you a little bit about what they are, what they're doing, why they're here. So we shall start over there with Christoph. Go. So my name is Christoph. Uh, I'm from Uber. We are the company that came up with the idea of ordering a taxi or a car on demand to come pick you up rather than having to wait on the street uh, and hail. Uh, we're now in 35 cities around the world, so I've gone to be pretty big um, and kind of launched into a range of products. But fundamentally what it is that we do is just try to make uh, the car hire market more efficient for everyone, both consumers and drivers. Good. Uh, my name's Heather Leesman. I work for Hotel Tonight. We were the first hotel booking system that was designed from the ground up for your smartphone. Um, the company's about two and a half years old. We started in uh, San Francisco and opened our European headquarters here about a year ago. Uh, we're in 100 cities worldwide um, and growing very quickly, adding about one city per week. Um, we have a, a bunch of VC f uh, money that we're now looking to try to just continue aggressively expanding, but we focus exclusively on bookings for tonight, obviously. That's the name. Victor. Uh, my name is Vic. I'm a co-founder and the CTO of Yplan, tonight's Going Out app. So Yplan is a service which allows you to discover and book uh, tickets for the shows happening around you on the same night. Uh, you don't need to call anyone to reserve your seats. You don't need to print any paper tickets. You know, you just two taps. You book the tickets. You show up at the venue with your friends. You know, show the phone as actually a big part of you done uh, today, and they let you in. So very, very simple, very, very elegant. There we go. So that's our panel. Um, the first thing I want to know is uh, quite often the best ideas have that real kind of sense of that's such a good idea, that's so simple. Why didn't anyone do that before? Why didn't I think of that? So why do you think no one's thought of your ideas, and how come you guys got there first in your companies? What was it that made you guys kind of launch into this? Vic, do you want to take that one? Sure. Um, well, the uh, obvious answer is that um, it's not easy, you know. It looks easy, but usually it's not, it's not anywhere easy. And, uh, um, on, you know, when you, you, when you look in that Y plan and you're browsing it, it looks so deceptively easy, you know, just book things and you go and, and, and you see the show. Um, what happens in the, in the background is actually a very complicated, you know, uh, process. And, uh, I like to repeat that uh, we're actually you know, doing uh, a lot of magic uh, in our work because it seems so deceptively simple. And uh, there are things uh, which you, know, you wouldn't be able um, to even notice. Like, for example, we are um, using uh, you know, golden ratio when we are designing our app, and, and that's the principles used you know, from 
um, back, you know, from like Roman uh, pantheons and Leonardo da Vinci, you know, in his drawings, which basically makes things uh, pleasant for the eye. Um, and I think that's quite, you know, magical, and that's what makes people, you know, love how it looks like and how it behaves. Uh, the other thing, for example, is like the app size. It's, it takes only three megs, and with every single, you know, app, app release, it actually, that size is, is going down. Um, we spend a lot of time on optimizing the size, and what happens if you download the app? It takes a couple of seconds to download, and you can immediately launch. Um, what, where that leads is basically uh, us having like 97% activation rate compared to games where like uh, it's 50 to 60%. So basically people download the app, never ever open it up. Um, so there are many things like that mm. and then many things on the operational side to make things as smooth and uh, as easy as, as possible. It's, sure. it's difficult, certainly. Yeah, I think for our business, there were loads of companies that were selling hotel rooms before we came along, obviously, um, and, and many on the same day as well. But what we have done, I think, very successfully is take a level of focus that no one else was, was concentrating on. So, um, you know, a lot of the big OTAs um, book for the same day, but it's not done in a way that is really catering to that last minute and, and same day customer. So um, with our app, what we've done is really um, design it for people that are on the, on the go, they don't have time to research, they don't have time to shop, they want to make sure they're going to get a good hotel at the best price in the market. Um, so we've created a very elegant um, uh, experience for the customer that makes it easy for them to book a room. Um, when we were sort of looking around and, and prior to launching, you know, we realized that a lot of the big OTAs to book a room via your smartphone, it took somewhere between 90 to 110 little taps or swipes or, or actions um, and would take up to um, a minute, a minute and a half. Um, with our app, it takes three clicks and a swipe um, and it takes about eight seconds. So just light years ahead in terms of the efficiency and the processing there. Um, and then again, the, the level of focus just really allows us to bring the best deals every day um, to the customer. We wake up every single day thinking about how we're going to sell hotel rooms tonight, where a lot of the big guys, you know, they're thinking about car rentals and hotel rooms and, and cruises, among other things. So I think really kind of honing in on one area, which, you know, uh, a lot of people will say that's such a niche, it's just same day bookings. Like, how can you build a business out of there? But when you look at the size of the hotel industry, it's about 400 80 billion dollars a year and 15% of bookings are same day. So you're talking about a, somewhere in the vicinity of a 75 billion dollar market, which we think is, it's, it's, it's big it's enough. Yeah, nation, we, that, yeah, we can deal with that. We okay. can manage that. <laughs> Christoph. Um, yeah, I think what Vic was saying was absolutely right that, you know, it's easy to kind of look at a concept and say that it's very simple. And I think to launch it, it has to be because that's how you sell it. It has to be immediately understandable to the consumer. But and when you go one step deeper, um, a lot of these businesses aren't nearly as simple as they seem to be. Or, you know, if you're thinking about Uber and kind of the, the way the taxi industry works globally, um, you know, it takes a certain, I think, naivety to say that I'm going to enter this industry that, um, you know, where all the supply is controlled by a couple of incumbents that have controlled the market for 50 to 100 years. Um, who are very close to the regulators, who make a lot of the laws that govern the way that the taxi industry is done. Um, and furthermore, which is extremely localized, every single market is different. There's different incumbents, different laws. And I'm going to go into all of those at the same time um, and take those over. You know, it, it takes, you have to just be willing to kind of go out there and do it. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, the gutso, which is <laughs> um, sure. what you need. 
I think also what Vic said is that, you know, all of our apps look very easy and very simple and very streamlined, but that's really hard. Like it, it's about, you know, it's exponentially harder to make something simple um, than it is to just cram everything on there. Mm. Um, and I think that that also is a, another challenge that we face in all of our businesses. But it's part of the reason why when people say, oh, this is easy, I just do this. It's you see, you see about, you know, a fi like 5% of what, actually goes into that our, all of our businesses. Yeah. I'm interested in to, to know what you guys were doing before this happened. So were you working on startups before your current positions? Were you working in a bank? What, what, what brought this on? Want to start? Uh, sure. So in my case, uh, I was working in a bank, literally. Well, there you uh, go. <laughs> Covering um, internet and technology companies um, like Uber or Hotel Tonight um, and had always been quite interested in kind of the technology business trying to figure out how I could kind of take my skills from one place to the other. Um, I think Uber in many ways was kind of the ideal place for me to do that um, just because we are extremely data-driven, very analytical thinking. Um, there's a huge amount of information out there when we're trying to create these markets in each of the cities where we operate. Um, where kind of that old background, even though it doesn't really seem applicable, can be, and you can take some of the same skills and obviously kind of the mentorship that you get from engineers and kind of people who are more savvy on that side of things um, and kind of bring out the best in everyone. Yeah. Um, I started in consulting, the other... The other, <laughs> the other, the other side, um, but then fell into travel and um, many, many, many years ago, more than I'd like to admit, um, and did a little bit in all different aspects of the travel industry. So I've I've been there for many years and done um, everything from a, a retail travel agency, which looking around the room, probably none of you know what a travel agent is, um, but they they existed back in the day, um, all the way up to uh, working at a big OTA, um, and then along that path, I did everything from sort of the big businesses. I worked at Orbit worldwide, which is a thousand people when I was there, all the way down to small startups. Um, so I've done a whole host, but everything from kind of retail travel agency to uh, online to um, uh, uh, travel agency to tour operator. I worked for a luxury flash site sale um, before Hotel Tonight, but all of my background was in e-commerce. Um, so this was the first experience I had in sort of the mobile only, um, well, really mobile at all, not even mobile only space. So. Um, definitely an eye-opening experience, and I've, I've learned quite a bit very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So from you know from the very early point, and I started uh, working computers. I always had this dream that I want to build something on my own, and it was a very big dream. It's like you know almost impossible. I was growing in the very small town in Lithuania, so country you know far away, like three million people. And um, finally, I finished school and started studying and. Uh, started working at the kind of very first startup uh, which was doing you know 10 years ago something which is today called connect and then i thought you know that that dream is maybe a bit closer mm -hmm. and 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 then you know finished studying uh, you know, i did machine learning ai um, robotics um, came to london started working here for someone uh, which you know helped me to you know to live and learn and like meet all these smart people and uh, but you know one day i realized that you know you have to kind of get rid of all these preconceptions about what's right, you know, and what's what's wrong, that you have to work for someone else, and then you kind of free your mind from those things. You, you can do you can do many interesting interesting things. You can actually innovate. So there was you know there was no one who told us what to do and how to do it and we built Wipeland. I like the idea that you have 
freedom to innovate because no one's done anything like this before. So did you, did you think, right, I want to do a, a mobile-based business? Or did you, how did you come up with the idea? Did you just think, I've got nothing to do tonight, so let's come up with something? Or did you <laughs> think something else? I don't know. You yeah. tell me. So, um, well, we really wanted to do something you know, big and something for the future. And uh, we saw that entertainment is, you know, is fundamentally broken. You, you cannot figure out what's happening around you. If you figure out what's happening around you, there's no easy way to book tickets. If you find a way to book tickets, usually it's through secondary marketplaces where it's 10 times cheaper. Mm. Um, there's no easy way to arrange... 10 times more expensive, you mean? 10 times, yeah. 10 times more expensive. <laughs> there's no easy way to arrange Otherwise your you friends. Wouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no easy way to find your friends, you know, and arrange them, you know, go, go to the same event. Um, so we said, okay, you know, you know it, it, it think about the future where you could actually just discover things, book it, and just go to, the, to, to that event. Mm. You know, that's it. And I think that future would be a much, you know, much, much better place to live in. So we said, let's take something which is already a future, which is smartphone, and let's build it around it. And uh, we started mobile first. And uh, we didn't know how big you know, the impact of, of mobile would be. Because that's the, I mean, this is, I know it's a slightly self-selecting audience because of where we are, but the one thing you can pretty much guarantee is everyone's got a smartphone in their pockets here. Before, you know, five years ago, the only thing you could say to that was probably that everyone was wearing a pair of trousers or some kind of shoe or something. <laughs> it's, it's, kind of, well, <laughs> it's kind of totally changed the way we do business, the way we interact, the way we look at entertainment. So for you guys, was it the same thing with your companies that you thought, actually, it has to be on this, there's no other option really? I think for us, definitely, and I think it was partly because as we looked around at the landscape and, and the sort of competitive landscape, no one was focused on it, and it was this you know, massively growing part of the industry, and every year it was triple and quadruple um, uh, digit growth, but at the end of the day, for, um, uh, for a lot of the big companies, it was still such a small base, so it was, it was clearly the future, but it was, a, it was a blank space. I mean, there was no one out there doing it, um, so it just made a lot of sense to get in and, and do it more quickly, do it faster, do it smarter than, than anyone else that was um, thinking about it or even dreaming about it. Um, but I think also it was, you know, you saw what was happening in, 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 um, with mobile and everything was moving there. And, um, you know, the, the changes in the consumers just being much more real time and, and the power that this device has put into everyone's hands. And we really wanted to be a leader in that space and, and to be the, the ones that were out ahead of everyone else. Um, so that's why, you know, the sort of the decision on our end was that um, that was really important. The other piece to that is that um, the back-end system of hotel bookings is extremely um, anti antiquated and, and uh, clunky. You know, you're, uh, the foundations of a lot of these companies are built on legacy systems that were built in the 1960s and 70s. And so by not having a website and not being sort of tied to this, um, e-commerce infrastructure, the flexibility, the n like the, the, our ability to be nimble, to move quickly, to adapt, to change, just having um, sort of this optimized device for mobile makes us so much better at what we do. Like we can, we can deliver such a better experience because we don't have to think about another, another uh, uh, mm. channel. So that was also really important to us. And presumably for you guys, the time when most of your users are going to be using, wanting to get a car is when they're out. So there's no yeah. point in doing anything other than yeah, mobile. Yeah, right? I mean, it, it, I think it's something that, you know, if we thought about it and we were thinking about kind of what is the user behavior that you're trying to change or alter through your app, 
Um, you know, the, the equivalent behavior that we'd be replacing would be someone thinking they want a taxi, looking out on the street, looking left and then right. And it has to be something which is as convenient, as thoughtless as that could be. Um, and kind of someone thinking, right, well, where's the nearest computer? What's my login? That kind of thing. Just, it doesn't really work. Um, add that on top to the fact that, you know, just how much information these smartphones have about you at any given point. Um, you know, I think it took a long time for people in the industry to realize and kind of this explosion of apps like Airbnb, Uber, Y plan to come about. Um, but, you know, the fact that these devices know where you are at all times and are able to locate you so that you don't have to go through that process. You can truly go to like a two click and a car is coming solution um, made it a very clear choice. The, for a lot of what you're saying is you're talking, it's kind of a huge leap of faith, certainly originally into to knowing a, the impact of mobile, but also what people want, what people are going to be demanding six months, a year down the line. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you predict the future? How do you know what your potential users, so not even users that you have at the beginning because you don't have too many, how do you know what they're going to want? Is it just what you want? Is it just a gut instinct thing or is it another way of doing it? Crystal ball. Yeah, do you have an enormous crystal ball that you all take turns in or how does it work? Doesn't everyone? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How did, you, uh, how did it work for you? I think uh, for us, it was um, a lot of instinct. It was, um, you know, so the, the idea of the app came about because our founder was traveling a lot for business and had flights canceled and meetings run late and needed to be in the city at different times and just realized that it wasn't always convenient to stop, pull out your computer, find a Wi-Fi signal, try to book a room. Um, and there were lots of solutions that were, were easy uh, from the e-commerce side, but booking a room on your smartphone was an absolute nightmare. And so it was really, um, that's what sparked the idea. And then from there, we've, we've sort of built it. In the, in the very beginning, it was built based on what we wanted and what we thought was, um, was a good idea and helpful. Um, but I think it's, it, the one thing is it's very, very customer driven. Um, and customer being defined as the people who book rooms on our app and also the hotel partners that sell room on, rooms on our app. And I think we're very conscious of those two customers and, and um, catering to both of their needs. Um, and I think ultimately there aren't enough businesses that are listening to their customers. Um, so it's, it's a really, really important um, feedback loop for us is that you know, we look in the iTunes store, we read every single review that's been written. So if you haven't, if you want to write one, we'll read it. Um, but it's, it, I mean, that's how we get so much of our information. And what's great about it is it's very, very real time. Um, I think because of that, whether it's iTunes store or, or the other place that um, you can write apps, uh, write reviews. Um, uh, customers are very real. You know, they, they do feel like there's kind of a, a relationship with you. And so you get, we get a lot of ideas and suggestions and, hey, this is great, but it'd be great if you did this. And that's all really important for helping drive future product releases of, of what we do. And do you have a kind of a, a forum where people talk? Is it just on App Store and things like that? Do you have a, like a bank of a thousand users that you channel ideas off or we, a lot of it comes through like we get so many um just uh emails and and tweets and you know it's any sort of any way you want to communicate with us we read it and we really sort of take that to heart as in terms of what 
what customers are looking for. And, and I think a lot of companies, many companies I've worked for in my past maybe even, um, you know, they talk about being a really consumer-driven business. Um, but Hotel Tonight is, is hands down, I mean, it's, it's, um, for me it's been really eye-opening um, for a company to really stand by that and sort of look out for, okay, what are consumers looking for and what ideas are coming from them. And that's employees as well. So mm. a lot of the best ideas come from, you know, interns all the way up to our, our CTO. So, um, yeah, I think it's uh, when you, um, ultimately, the people that are using our app, um, you know, that, that audience has broadened, and that's, that's caused us kind of um, to look at things a little differently. But in the, in the early days, we were designing apps for people like ourselves, and yeah. it's, it's either um, business travelers, very busy, sort of independent business travelers, or people that are just like, man, it's, it's, it, hasn't, it hasn't been sunny in London in weeks, and I just got to get out of here. Um, and so l looking towards the sort of spontaneous people who are just, okay. I've got nowhere to go tonight. Well, people who've nowhere to go tonight yeah. brings us to you. Um, Segway. So, <laughs> yeah, how did yeah. it work with you? I mean, what, how much uh, user interaction is important? How much is it? you kind of yeah. at the top of your hill saying this is how it's going to be. Sure. Well, you definitely start at the point where you're solving your own problem. You know, there's no other way. Like, there's the usual kind of concept where, like, you should go out the street and talk to customers, figure out what the problems are. But uh, if they are not your problems, then you're not going to solve them well. So you really have to address, like, the problems you have. Like, mm -hmm. close yourself down, solve it, and then go out and see, like, if there are, you know, does that actually resonate with other people who have the same problem? Um, on our side, obviously, it's like very similar to, to, to Hotel Tonight. It's listening to customers, asking questions, you know, uh, user groups, email surveys. On the other hand, you know, you have to be careful. Like um, um, Henry Ford, uh, you know, uh, used to say, is like if you ask, you know, my customers what do they want, they would say they want a faster horse. So, you know, we don't want to do faster horses. We want to actually innovate. And uh, mm. a lot of that comes internally from, from the people in the team. Any horses in the, uh, the Uber network? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think if you, if you ask users what they want too early, you'll always get something which is just marginally incremental to what's already out there. Um, and I think part of what having at least the first version of your product is about is really being a bit greedy, having kind of everything the way that you want it to be. Um, necessarily, a lot of it isn't going to work, but there's a couple of things that you know will. Um, users pick up on that, they give you positive feedback, and then you kind of lean into that strength. Um, you know, if I just try to, just try and quickly imagine kind of the way it was for Yplan, you know, if someone kind of pitched something like Yplan to a consumer and asked, you know, how would you do it? Imagine what they say is, they'd say, I want all the listings and as, you know, comprehensive a list as possible, when in fact that's probably not actually what would drive the most It's the last thing you'd actually want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, once you've got your idea, you've established what it is you, you want to do, how you're going to change the world, what's the testing process? Do you, is it kind of back and forth with a, a small team? Do you put out a beta? How, what's the most effective way in your experience of, of getting this thing out to, to people like these guys? Who wants to tell you that? Chris? <laughs> so I think you um, necessarily start with a few core power users, you know, probably your mom, and then <laughs> your close friends. <laughs> um, and then very quickly, you know, you, you just kind of watch behavior over time. And so I think that's why kind of having the tools to be able to observe what your users are doing on a click-by-click -click basis and kind of the, the back-end databases is powerful. Because if over the course of a couple weeks or a couple months of that first product being released, you know, you're probably not going to have that many users. Um, the ones who you had, you acquired in a very manual, laborious way. But over time, their behavior is going to change and shift, and you're going to figure out what feels natural to them. 
Um, and once you do so, then you can kind of iterate on that until you get to kind of the product which everyone wanted, not just kind of was floating around in your head. So how to, just as kind of a secondary question, how do you find an audience? How do you market your product? I mean, obviously, there's a certain store that we use. But beyond that, how do you... I mean, you guys will perhaps pick this up as answering both questions, making it <laughs> hard for you. But once you, you know, you're testing, you're changing, you've also got to find this audience. So it's, it's not easy, is it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's incredibly hard. Um, and I think uh, coming from an e-commerce background, it was like, oh, okay, you know, it's just mobile. It's a different device. And it's just, it's not even close to true. I mean, um, a lot of what we focus on is um, mobile marketing and, and in-app advertising, a lot of sort of um, places where you can personalize. The one thing that's really interesting, um, there was a Google study that came out earlier this year, and it talked about mobile advertising on your smartphone. And 67% of people who are advertised... Uh, who were um, uh, part of this survey said that they were fine with advertising in their mobile device because it was usually highly, target, har highly targeted, very relevant to them, and not obtrusive or invasive. So they were actually okay with ads in, in the mobile device, which was you know, a great sigh of relief and, and made us all very happy. But um, it's, a, it's incredibly expensive, um, and it's not a very... I mean, mobile advertising is, is sort of a nascent area, and so they're just... You know, a lot of it is just trial and testing. So, sort of bringing it back to the testing question, it's you're constantly doing tests. Like you just don't really know what's going to work. And and I think culturally, we have a cult. We we definitely encourage you know just swinging at the fences and and trying, trying, trying rather than you know trying to come up with one or two really good ideas and spending a lot of time in rooms and perfecting the idea before you launch it. It's really about um, it's a culture of just try it, get it out there, see what happens. You're going to fail a lot. <laughs> um, but when you do win, you're not just sort of hitting a, you know, it's not slight, slight incremental. It's not linear type um, growth changes. They're, those are the hockey stick kind of changes to your business model. So it's, um, you know, I think for us, it's been a lot of inventing new ways to market uh, to customers, inventing new ways to kind of get in front of them, um, while at the same time um, on the app, just continuing to evolve. Like, you can't stay the same. You always mm. have to make it better. Um, but word of mouth, I think, is probably the strongest um, uh, hands down the best piece of marketing that we have is that people really like the app. Like they genuinely have a brand affinity to it. They like it and they tell their friends. So about 60% of our business now comes through referral, whether that's sort of word of mouth or um, we have a referral plan where you can earn um, 15 pounds of credit when you refer a friend and they get 15 pounds in their first booking. So things like that have been really, really helpful in getting the word out there. Okay. Um, that said, I think our awareness is still probably, you know, especially here in Europe, way below where we'd like it to be. So. Sure. Vic, how about you? Testing well, and you know, when we fine. started, I would just like uh, buy a bunch of cinema tickets, go to my friend and say, hey, these are the tickets, invite your friends and like, you know, do whatever you want with them. And he would invite friends like for the same night, take these cinema tickets and uh, there would be a bunch of guys, girls who would say, yeah, sure, of course, let's, let's go, you know, mm -hmm. let's do it. Um, and that did prove that, um, you know, people are okay with the concept of going out at the last minute and, like, not planning for two, three weeks in advance. So, you know, the next step was that we built an app, gave out to, like, 50 random people, and uh, if they book, I would get an email saying that, hey, someone booked, then, you know, me or my co-founder, we'd run to the show, 
book the ticket, deliver to the guy's house, you know, and like they can go <laughs> and see the thing. So I think ultimately, you know, back then and now it's... Uh, you must have been really fit when you got this out. <laughs> <laughs> Just we, on roller skates up and down the street all the time. We were pretty good. We were pretty good at that. Um, back, back, you know, back then and now it's like the same, uh, same concept as that. You know, you love your customers and uh, um, they become your brand ambassadors. So like we have this event now and uh, there's some other event happening in London right now where um, we run something which is called, uh, you know... Um, delighting basically our customers so like there's a Y plan team uh, giving out a small you know things and gifts to the people who registered for Y plan at the same time people who came to that show you know not for Y plan but for other means they are able to see that oh this is Y plan and learn about it and the guys who actually get the get you know the goodie bag can actually you know tell their friends share share it on social mm -hmm. networks and so on and so forth that is the most natural the, the way to spread the word okay um, I'm sure you guys have got lots of questions, so we're going to wrap up here pretty soon and open up to the floor. But one question that I, I'm interested in, is it just, is, is questions about ambition. Do you just want to take over the world or do you have a sense of wanting to keep this kind of true to what you started of and small and manageable or am I by being naive and you all want to be multi-billionaires and just kind of take over the whole planet? I mean, is there, can you do both basically? What do you think? Well, I mean, it's um, um, we really want to fix entertainment because it's it's broken, and uh, you know, to do that, you need to be big. Now, yeah. the thing is, um, as you grow big, uh, complexity of the thing you are doing is actually increasing as well. So the question is, how do you retain your culture? How do you retain a spirit? And how do you retain your speed and like a way to change uh, once the complexities are very very large? And I think the most natural solution to that problem is actually. Uh, overweighting on the very very smart people in your team that's the only way you can deal you know with that 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 complexity and uh, right now like 90% of my time is actually being spent you know hiring people and making sure you know we get we get mm. top people on board and uh, you know y plan success so far is, is is purely testament to the great team we have so we have you know guys from Apple from uh, Google from uh, top entertainment you know companies like timeout and top startups like Airbnb or uh, on, or Sunkick, and you know these guys are what makes my plan tick. And the only future, if you want to grow it, is to actually make sure that it, the team is very very strong. And do you, when you recruit people, are you looking for? Well, what are you looking for? I mean, obviously you need people who can code, you need people who've got specialist skills. But in general, what is it that excites you about your oh, team? It's very easy actually. You, you you're basically looking for passion to solve the same problem, you know, and and. That's the definitely the telling uh, telling point, telling criteria. Are people can are they excited about the problem? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Christoph, you taking over the world? Well, I think um, probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you know if naturally, I think when you're working in an industry where you're trying to be disrupting the status quo and changing behavior, really, I mean, to go half-heartedly and say you know, oh well, I want to change behavior and revolutionize people's lives, but I want to do it you know, within the confines of these three countries um, probably isn't the most natural thing in the world. And I think also just by the very nature of what it is that I think all three businesses here are doing in terms of disrupting the status quo, you know, they're being kind of comfortable in established markets where the incumbents are just kind of taking their margins into you know, the horizon. Um, if you just kind of say, well, the original vision that I had and the original reason why we built the business is the correct one, and so we're just going to kind of create that and sit on it. 
necessarily will lead to you yourself becoming the incumbent. And so I think you're always on the lookout for the different kind of spins that people have in different markets, the way people are adapting to kind of local differences, different cultures, um, and trying to figure out if maybe there is a better way of doing the same thing you are um, that then you can take elsewhere. Heather, very quickly. I'll yeah, no, I think it's, um, we, we endeavor, we would like to be everywhere. And I think the big challenge, especially for, for where we are, is this pivot from, um, you know, we want to do it, but we want to not lose the quality of what we're doing today. And, and the challenge that we have, which I think Vic alluded to, is it's incredibly labor intensive, um, our business in particular. You know, it's a lot of hand holding and it's a lot of very hands on work. And so figuring out how to scale the business is, is the, the biggest challenge we face as we sort of move forward. Um, because in order to be everywhere, um, we would need a lot more people. Um, mm. So coming up with ways that we can make the business more scalable without losing the essence of what makes the business great is um, answering a different question, but the biggest challenge is sort of we, we face right now. So our, our goals are, are very ambitious, and I think um, boiling the ocean would be one of them and taking over the world would be the other, um, but not if it means giving up who we are or sacrificing the quality of what we deliver. And so I think our growth has been, um, it has been um, ambitious, but not overly aggressive. You know, I look sure. at um, when we came to Europe, there were other copycat competitors that are in the space and they're in, you know, three times as many cities and, you know, many, many more countries, but they don't deliver, you know, they're not producing rooms and they're not demonstrating success. And I think that our sort of more deliberate, you know, maybe we're not in every city, but where we are, we're very strong. Um, and I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that that strategy is going to be what, what leads to our success long term and makes sure that sure, certain that we're here 5, 10, 15 years from now when maybe right. some of the others aren't. Okay, so... We've got some microphones. Who's got a microphone? Where the righty hand? Um, have you got any questions? Got any hands? Gentlemen there? Hi, guys. Um, so all of, your, all of your apps rely on third-party information. Um, so I'm keen to know if you gather that information manually or you automate it. And if you have automated it, how as a startup do you go about brokering the deals with companies, you know, you know, if I started a company, uh, um, hotels aren't going to give me their feeds because I'm so small. So how did you go about that process? Um, I, can start I had a feeling we were going to get yeah. some <laughs> detailed um, questions from the it's floor. It's one of the big points of differentiation between um, Hotel Tonight and a lot of the other same-day booking apps in that we actually knock on doors. Like We have personal relationships with every single hotel that we work with. And um, we've built an interface, much like the app, that's super, super easy for them to manage. Um, so it's, uh, you know, we aren't actually getting our content through feeds. We're actually going out there, explaining what the business is, um, getting them excited about it, getting them to sign on. And while that is, you know, sort of, to, to th that's what makes it very labor intensive. It also is what makes sure that we get the best properties and they're most engaged and they feel like it's a true partnership. It's not just, oh, Hotel Tonight is another one of my distribution models. Um, so because of the fact that we do a curated selection, we only have a handful of hotels every day, we don't have to work with every hotel in the market. Um, so we're able to be very selective and really cherry pick the properties that we want to work with and make sure that it's a, it's a close relationship. So it's 
it's a, it's a lot of hard work, um, and it definitely requires a lot of, of um, personal resources. Um, but, you know, that's what also differentiates us with the, the other customer, the, the hotel partners. You know, many of them will be like, I don't know who my booking.com market manager is, but they talk to um, our market manager every single day. Um, so it really, they feel more like it's a partnership. Um, so that's really important to us. So it, it can be done. Um, the main thing, I think the key for us was building something that was super, super easy. Our contract is a page and a half. Um, Booking.coms is 26. So, uh, you know, keeping it very simple for, and, and acknowledging that these guys are, have a lot of other things on their plate was really important to us. Guys, anything you want to add to either of that? maybe if I just speak about Uber, I mean, you know, the, the suppliers that we work with are probably much more fragmented than they are um, with Hotel Tonight just because how wide a base there is. Um, I think, but the points are exactly the same. Um, you know, part of what we say when we say that, you know, the, the interface, it looks very simple, but actually it's very complicating, is that um, the, the end user is actually only half the customer base, and actually you probably have to spend more time selling to the suppliers uh, and making them believe in the platform overall. Um, and then just trying to be flexible around them, work around their needs, lean into their strengths. You know, um, if it is about using dead time uh, to start off with, then kind of trying to fill in those gaps and then trying to figure out how you can make the model work for them um, full time. Anything to add, Vic? There you are. <laughs> Anyone else? Anyone from over here? Lady up there with a. Thank you. Hi. Um, so obviously having the key people on board is absolutely critical to your success. Um, I guess I've got two questions. Number one, how do you go about finding those people? Are they already in your personal network? Um, and number two, how do you convince them to come on board, especially in the early stages? Vic, do you want to take that one first? So are we talking here about uh, event partners or about customers who book tickets? About partners. About partners. Uh, so we approach it in a very simple way. We basically hired industry experts, so someone coming from timeout, last second tickets, who already been working in, 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 in the sector um, to actually go and find uh, venues, promoters who want to sell these tickets on a last minute basis. And in a sense, it's a rather easy sell because there's no other channel for them to sell these tickets. Like if, if they haven't sold the ticket, you know, two days in advance, the tickets are going to stay there. It's, that's it. Christoph? Um, I think at the beginning it is about proving the concept. And so if you need to ultimately be the end consumer to show that the concept works and at least there is some uptake in terms of the product that you've got, um, you have to be ready to do that. Obviously, it kind of depends on what your funding situation is at that point and how comfortable you are investing more money into the business. Um, but you, when you are working in a supply and demand market, um, one of them has to come first. I think in, in the hotel business, there's a lot of, um, it's, a, it's a pretty tight industry. Um, and so a lot of it is, you. the nice thing is that, that hoteliers are always willing to try something. They'll, they will sort of give you that opportunity and try something new. Not all of them, but there's, there's definitely a class of, of them that will try. Um, and then if you're able to deliver success, they'll help you actually evangelize your business, which is really nice. Um, it's interesting because I'm just now building out a new market. Um, I haven't built out a market in a year. And the reaction is amazing. Um, 
between uh, talking to hoteliers today versus last year when no one knew who, who we were in Europe. Um, so I think like when, the, you know, again, as, as word starts to get around, you know, when we first started in Europe, it was, it was hard. It was really hard. And you had to kind of find that person in the hotel. Sometimes you call the revenue manager and they're like, no one hung up on you. So then you call the salesperson and then they call the GM and you just, you have to keep trying and not giving up. Um, it is uh, incredibly, um, uh, difficult in the beginning, um, but I think that's why it's really important who that you hire people to Vix Point who are really passionate about what you're doing, because um, then they're not selling it; they're just really trying to educate your your end user, the the suppliers, on what you're doing. Um, and I think everyone, uh, you know, the nice thing is that once hotels do come on board, you know, very few ever drop out, um, and the ones that stay on board again, it's that word of mouth. It's it's really been helpful for our business. So. Thank you. Anybody else? Gentleman sitting down on the corner. There are many uh, apps today, like 700, 800,000 of them, maybe more. So when you start an app, what is the point? What is the type point for you all when you all realize that it's gotten real and you'll have to take it seriously or you know, quickly expand? Or the concept that you had has proven right, and you can actually expand and invest more money or bring in venture capitalists. What's the tipping point? That's a hard one. <laughs> um, I think that it, it depends a lot on the type of business, right? That you're that you're building. Um, for for these guys, they're hyper local. Um, for us. Um, we're local, but we also have a lot of audience. So if we were just in New York, we wouldn't we wouldn't make it, right? So there's too many people out there doing um, or enabling same day bookings um, because or enabling bookings via your smartphone because we're same day. In order to stay on top of mind with the customers and make sure that they're coming back, we had to be in a lot of places. So for us, um, growing really quickly, expanding really quickly, but again with the the diligence and not just throwing money away was was really important. Um, I think one of the the things that's been a huge driver to our success is that the the um, the growth rate has been very responsible with the money and the capital we had at the time. So we've never been in that situation where you're like, oh God, is payroll gonna get paid this month? You know, it was always like the expansion happened knowing that we had we had a long runway before we were gonna be in trouble. Um, and I think that's really, really critical. I've worked at a lot of startups where the founders are spending all their time running around trying to find money and no one's actually running the business. And you get, by the time they come back to the business, you're so far off the path. Um, that you know, it's almost you can't come back. And so I think with Hotel Tonight, they, there was there's always been a sense of we had loads of loads of runway, um, so we weren't um, putting ourselves in a bad situation. Um, so I don't know if that totally answered your question, but um, I think it's a, a lot about knowing who, what your business is, who your customer is, what your measures for success are, and making sure that you have money in the bank so that you can achieve those. Anything to add, chaps? Well, you know, you basically, uh, when you pick the business model, you're working on that. That in most, you know, in most cases, it, it defines your, your kind of your funding path, usually. And um, um, you know, you want to build it out. If you're doing supply, demand, you know, marketplace, you need to build both sides, which is not trivial, and you, you would not be able to bootstrap it most likely, especially if it's mobile. So you know, you need some funding. Once you get some funding, then you start thinking, okay, so what are the milestones, what I need to achieve, and then what would be the next set of milestones, 
and then what funding do you need to achieve those basically you also you know um, in in those cases um, like like ours uh, it's it's very important to remember that there is like a very tough competitive landscape there so competitors are sp springing left and right and uh, you want to have enough funds to be able to to fight them anything to add or should we move? okay any more we'll go over here um gentlemen in the second row we'll come back to you guys in a sec so you all um you all have emerged or are emerging into new markets so i guess my question is what what lessons have you learned about how a different market differs from say your your hometown it's a good question <laughs> um i think we so in the case of uber we started in san francisco three years ago um if I describe kind of the taxi market in San Francisco, it would be terrible, and that's about it. Um, it's not even <laughs> that the quality of service is terrible, it's that most of the time there isn't a service at all. And so it was easy to kind of figure out what our product, or the need for Uber was in San Francisco, especially with such a tech-savvy crowd. Um, as we kind of expanded going f into other cities, I mean, across the US, but then especially when we came internationally to Europe, um, there was a big learning curve in terms of understanding that, sure, attitudes in terms of culture and you know, taxi markets and the way people feel towards their taxis um, might change market to market. But there's also just fundamental commonalities between all of them. And I think one of the most surprising things um, about Uber is how similar every market is, even though, um, you know, every time we start a new city, everyone's like, oh, well, maybe it works in New York, London, San Francisco, and Chicago, but it's not going to work in Paris. Um, and those are actually the cities that end up doing the best. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's kind of, in terms of the way the, the market works out, you know, dead time um, among cars, how much more efficient you can make them, how competitive you can be on price. Um, we develop a pretty good playbook in terms of uh, understanding how to get, going back to that idea of suppliers, you know, we know how difficult it is to get suppliers 1 through 10, and then how much easier it is to get numbers 11 through 100 after that. Um, and so just having that kind of horizon, not falling too much into this trap of, well, this city's completely different, so let's just reinvent the wheel. wheel um, is a good one. Yeah, and I think for us it was... Um there were a lot of foundational pieces, uh, particularly on sort of the marketing side and, and some of the operations side that were very similar. But just about everything else, you could just throw out the window. And so we'd always start with, okay, well, this is how we do it in the US. But my, the team here has been just amazing at um, pivoting and realizing really quickly, whoa, this is not working or it's not going to work. And so having to sort of um, retrofit processes and retrofit different um, business practices. Um, you know, we've had to be really, really flexible, and I think it's a it's a really great tribute to, to my team how quickly they've been able to adapt and identify pitfalls and identify challenges and really kind of be cognizant of, of potential problems. Um, there's, a, you know, in addition to kind of the language changes um, and the customer changes, you know, it's it's the market here is very different. Where in the U.S., it's it's very chain dominated, and you know, you kind of have a lot of high concentration of properties in, in big cities, and then it sort of falls off. And and here, it's 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 a whole new ball game. So. Um, Thankfully, a lot of kind of the driving principles or the drivers of the business, the core ideas have been very consistent and have, have reacted the same. Um, but from there, it's just, um, you know, 
each market is going to behave a little differently. Um, the consumers are going to behave a little differently. Um, here you've got roaming charges. You've got, you know, it's much easier to get from country to country. Um, you've got a lot of other challenges that we deal with in Europe that, that they don't have to concern themselves with the U.S. So um, the most important thing, I think, is just having a team that's really looking out for those pitfalls, not just identifying them after you're already in them. Anything to add on that? Well, you know, uh, fundamentally, um, people, you know, want to go out, want to be spontaneous and have fun, you know, anywhere. And uh, now we're expanding to New York. Uh, we're going to launch it hopefully in less than two months and uh, about to start um, kind of a closed group uh, beta testing uh, right now. And uh, I was really like expecting that it's going to be a big nightmare and it's going to be super complicated. But, you know, thank God, you know, knock on wood, uh, it's uh, it's it's looking easier than 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 we expected actually, and that's again you know testament to the great team and great systems we had put in place already in London and all, all the learnings we had here. Okay, we've got time for one last question. So if anyone's got a really good one, you look really keen. Okay, we'll go over <laughs> to you. No pressure, but it's better be good. Okay, I have two quick questions. Oh, cheeky. Uh, one is. Um, how much did you invest in before you had to look for funding? And the second one is, once you got, you know, was starting to look for funding, how did you decide on your first investor partners, like VCs? How do you decide your partners? Because that's quite critical for the scale of the business going forward. Thank you. Sure. Well, I, I can take that one. Um, we invested <laughs> basically, uh, well, we invested zero. I mean, we... Um, we lived off savings, so Ritis was, you know, sleeping on my couch for a little while, and uh, my wife wasn't happy about that. Um, but, um, you know, we, we kind of found our way, and uh, we didn't invest anything. So it was purely our living expenses, so to say, and all those tickets I bought to my friends, kind of, but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, choosing DCs is actually, it's a, it's a complicated art, and uh, you really want to find someone who's aligned with the vision and not, not in for a short kind of game, short clip, anything like that. Someone who really understands the space and, um, and, you know, and can identify with the ideas you want to build. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, with the, the first um, three rounds of investment, it was all about building um, a board of advisors more than anything else. And so a lot of the um, RVC backing um, it's the most amazing board I've ever been a part of because it's not uh, every board meeting isn't okay. Here are the numbers and here's the chart and clip, flip, flip, flip. It's talking about real business issues like what's happening in the business, what challenges we face. Hey, we're thinking about this. Should we buy this person? Should we expand here? Should we do that? You know, it's it's much more collaborative, and I think that that is like really important. I think that what Hotel Tonight has um, done in terms of um, the, the 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 where not just that they got money, but where where we got money was really strategic. And with every new round, um, we, we gained um, someone who brought a new insight or a new perspective um, to our business, whether it was someone who came from sort of a, a mobile or e-commerce or digital background or someone who had a heavy travel background. Um, you know, they were all people that were really well equipped to help us with the challenges that we've faced with the business as it's grown. Um, and it's, it's, you know, saved us probably a lot of, it saved us many, many mistakes, big, big mistakes. So. Christoph. I probably can't speak too much about kind of the personal challenges of seeking funding, but if I kind of go back to the story of Travis, our founder, and kind of how it got started. I mean, I think the story is very similar to Vic's in that the, the original inlay of funding 
Um, it came from Travis's previous entrepreneurial ventures. Um, and it was really about kind of proving the concept, just having an app that somehow could request a car, the car would come, somebody would get into it, and they would get dropped off. And having that never happened before, um, it's probably not kind of the right time to actually start talking to other people and getting serious money. But once you have the proof of concept, you show that actually the experience with some ironing out is a pleasant one. Um, then you start thinking about, well, how quickly can I scale? How quickly can I prove that there's a market here? And then um, figure out where to go from there. Great. Well, thank you very much, panel. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this is part one of a two-part uh, series. So there's another one next Monday about uh, small business startups with disruptive technology. So if you can make it for that, we'll be here for that too. Thank you very much. <laughs>